Jaray in the pack, couldn't mark Hardigan. Rough head, shares it by hand, it falls to Smith, who snaps and goals! Bruce couldn't take the mark, back to McVoy, Smith stole it! He broke through one tackle, hand passes to Sicily, from a standing start, this is Hawthorne at their best! Out at Gunston, 45 metres out from goal, wheels around on the left from 50, that's brilliant! And Ruffhead claims the free kick, and that'll do us. Sean Burgoyne's 350th game celebrated with a big win by the Hawks. Barring a tedious first half, Hawks fans had themselves an enjoyable Saturday evening, the team heaping yet more pain upon a broken Crows outfit. 56 points was the final margin, and with a favourable draw ahead, there's pretty good feelings around the club this week, especially with the VFL and VFLW sides emerging victorious too. There's plenty to be positive about, and we're taking that positivity into another edition of the most must-hear show for all fans of the Hawthorne Football Club, the Hawk Talk Podcast. My name is Nick Mason, and sitting across, well, not across from me, on the other line, is a man who was a little bit chilly on the weekend watching Box Hill. That might be the reason he's sick. G'day, Tiz. <laughs> yeah, I gave too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched all the, I watched most of the games this weekend. It's pretty good. Winning all three, I think I'm the common factor. Yeah, you, you credit yourself, do you? That's good of you. I think it's the drugs. <laughs> yeah, but what a win on Saturday night. I said it was important, but to keep them to four goals, that's that's a bloody good effort. We heard from one of our listeners, Peter, on Twitter, at Hawk Talk Pod is where you want to head to uh, start a conversation with us, and we do welcome it. Uh, Peter says, Adelaide kicked their lowest score against us ever. Now, previously, they, they managed just 47 and 48 points way back in 1994. On this occasion, just the 32. So we did pretty well. I mean, it was pretty tedious and ugly that first half, but someone must have told Sicily to pull his finger out because he just stormed home. <laughs> he did indeed. Before we get uh, stuck into the recap, I just want to say you can rate and review us on iTunes. Tiz, we've surged ahead to 78 ratings now. Yes, 78. Any more written reviews? Yes, we, we have uh, we have indeed had a written review. We do check in on the ratings and reviews, so we managed to catch this one. Uh, it was from Reegs79, who was actually the guy to take us up to uh, 76 ratings. And he added a review saying, putting this rating in so the lads can talk about Mitch Lewis. And he played well at Box Hill too. Yeah, you, you told me he kicked uh, two beautiful goals. Yeah, well, one from the square and one ripper. Um, but the one from the square was because he, he caught a defender holding the ball. But uh, yeah, everything looks pretty good. When you've got the the VFL team sort of pushing for selection, you know the AFL side have to look over their shoulders and it just makes for a better quality of game in the AFL. Although you have to feel that when the um, when the parade of past champions happened, it sort of made the Hawkers of today play a little better in that second half. There was a pretty good feeling across the weekend, wasn't there? You, you could tell that something, uh, there was some inspiration about the team, especially the seniors. Now, Reg 79 the guy who did submit his rating and review, he very deliberately wanted to talk about Mitch Lewis because he knows that in the past few weeks, each time that rating ticks up, we talk about draft picks. And of course, Mitch Lewis, we took at number 76. However, I did say that we're up to 78 now. Now, can you think back, Tiz, to number 78 draft picks for Hawthorne? Have we had any? <laughs> we have had some. All right, then we've got two that seem to be notable. I, I th- it might be the only two, in fact. Spanger. <laughs> Jamie Bond arrived at Hawthorne from Beaufort 
or Beaufort, however you want to pronounce that, in 1988. Yep, anonymously. <laughs> okay, well, what about this guy? You'll know this guy. In 1997, we picked up one Richie Vandenberg, former captain, now a board director. Oh, wow. What is his nickname, Butcher? Why would he be nicknamed Butcher, Nick? It's a bit harsh. So I, I was more his uh, savage playing style and the intensity he took up to the opposition rather than his ball use, I would think, there it is. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's very good for that young squad with Franklin and Rufford. And he just missed out on the uh, he just missed out on the accolades the following year, like Ben Dixon, a little bit rough on the champ. That's right. But as uh, as Jeff Kennett said at the at the function on the weekend, it's about everyone who came before as well. We can celebrate success, but we we need to include everyone that played a part in getting us to that to that uh, to that summit, so to speak. So we pay tribute to Vanders. That's a pretty good pickup. 78, Richie, Richie Vandenberg, captain for the club, so we pay tribute to him. While we're on uh, all this stuff, Twitter as well is where you want to head, at Pod. The push for 900 is on, 900 followers. Uh, I imagine I'll be live-tweeting this weekend's clash against the Suns, so you can hop on Twitter and follow the game. with it. It's, it's always a lot of fun, uh, whether we're winning or losing, in fact. <laughs> but, uh, look, I think we're pretty confident this week, aren't we? Not at all. Talk about the drugs talking. We've lost our last two. No, I know, I know. Look, I, I will I will cop to being slightly nervous. But uh, anyway, we, we won't get into that just yet. I should say, find us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash hawktalkpod. Before we go headlong into the preview for the, uh, for the coming game, let's rewind back to the MCG Saturday evening. Hawthorne 12-16-88 defeated Adelaide 4-8-32. Got silk? Well, the answer was yes. I helped myself to a t-shirt pre-matched his. I didn't get one. I saw the text. Uh, or the, um, the the tweet, even though the tweet was only five minutes ago. Just too lazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. I can see, can see how he would be lazy. It's not the greatest T-shirt ever produced, it must be said. Oh, really? Is it a pyjama shirt, is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's Well, it's going to be that for me. But, um, yeah, I think uh, all expense was spared in creating the shirt. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just a white T-shirt with Got Silk written on it and a thing at the back. Anyway, I mean, it's it's more the occasion. Than the T-shirt itself is more what it represents. Unfortunately, the game in the first half represented anything but silk. That was just atrocious footy from both sides. I reckon. Yeah, I had this debate myself. I could see what we were trying to do, but I was very, very surprised at how bad Adelaide were at getting it out of their back fifty or actually maintaining any sort of momentum going forward. But I had to credit that to Clarko putting Langers and Giray and a couple of other of the boys just putting huge pressure on that back line and stifling any kind of running they had out of defence. Whether that's because Laird wasn't there and sort of throws their whole vibe off is another thing. But um, it really, they really struggled for any momentum or any confidence the whole match after that poor beginning. Yeah, that's right. And I think that we dominated in the first half. It's just the scoreboard wasn't telling the story. I mean, we burnt opportunity after opportunity. Have a listen to these stats. Now, we entered Ford 50 a total of 33 times in that first half for a return of 3-9, which is just, you know, that tells you supply is not the issue here. Yeah, but uh, people are scoring from repeat entries. So you have to almost halve the entries these days to see how many goals you should be scoring. It's quite a strange phenomenon. It is. We're ranked fourth in the league for average inside 50s, but 15th for converting entries into scores. So it's a bit of a peculiar state to be in. And we had some guys running at some fairly low 
disposal efficiencies. Mm. So, but they were the guys that were putting all the pressure on. I mean, Langer's had twenty-seven. I think that's the lowest I've seen for a DE. Twenty-seven percent disposal efficiency is just rancid. Well, then Duray, who runs a similar role, fifty, and Paul Popolo, fifty-four. I mean, it's part of their role to get the ball and keep the ball. But anyway, that second half. The class sort of rose to the top and we got a momentum and they dropped their heads and they weren't trying at about halfway through that third quarter. I mean, we had 14 clearances in a row and they looked shot. I actually turned around to the box at the end of the game and the Hawthorne box cleared out pretty early to go and celebrate with burgers, but the Adelaide box were there for about a quarter of an hour after just... Um, looking sullen and discontent. I, I remember calling you and talking about this match, actually, and um, it kind of re- reminded me of Rocky Three. I don't know whether that was because it was on in the last few days on SBS, but uh, it just reminded me of um, basically Rocky against Clubber Lang and Adelaide, in, in their in their own sort of meek way, they were trying and they were really throwing what they could at Hawthorne, and Hawthorne has developed this ability to just absorb punches even against west coast as well the our, our ability to keep that game tight was through pure defense and being uh, able to sustain and absorb everything the opposition was throwing at us that's what happened with the crows as well but then as it happens in rocky three lang just gets tired and then rocky beats the shit out of him so it's, we, we just buried them it was an avalanche of goals what is remarkable is though adelaide have all these injuries as we know they got all these hamstring injuries a ridiculous number it, that was one of their most uh, experienced sides that they've fielded all year against us. So there's some real warning signs over there. I do acknowledge they have a lot of injuries, but if you can go with Hawthorne for the first half, what what is happening in the second half? Because that, that, to me, is not a matter of personnel necessarily. Because they had, they had the personnel in the first half, so what exactly happened? I mean, and for Hawthorne supporters, the question is, what what did Clarko say at half time? I'll tell you what happened. Uh he put uh, Jarman Impey off the back of the square and he looked fantastic running through the middle there. Yeah, it was a strange sort of a backline set up for a moment, wasn't it? It was You got Impey down there, Gunston and O'Meara, which is uh, a bit unorthodox as far as Hawthorne's concerned. Well, we were running it through beautifully and uh, they couldn't get their hands on it. The only one that looked likely was um, former Carlton player Bryce Gibbs. Adelaide at this point are just a football side with... The worst of both worlds, physically and psychologically, they seem completely shot, uh, which actually prompted supporters, or well, a small section of supporters, to uh, to campaign for answers. I don't know if you saw that, Tiz. Hashtag, we want answers AFC. Oh, I loved it. It's so good. <laughs> That's the kind of thing you have to really follow, don't you? And it's been trolled and everything, but these guys are frustrated. They seem to get the most incredible drafts and build these great players, and they never do anything with the teams. It's uh, They're a strange club. I, I know this year they've got three draft picks within the first 20. Is that right? Jeez, how did that happen? Uh, it's due to Lever going. Yeah, okay. Um, this is meant to be a super draft. They've already had Dangerfield walk out and got nothing for him. They're a very weird club. Anyway, it's not because they were so bad that we won. I thought Caden Brand was pretty good when he came in late. That was a good effort on his part, and I thought Burton played well. Hey, uh, I- I'll say this for Brand. That's something you tipped off the bat. Last week, on on, uh, on last week's recording, you were a-, a bit concerned that Brand was named as an emergency, which is a bit out of left field. And at the end of the day, he ended up coming in as a very late, late change. And I wasn't best pleased, no. but uh, <laughs> he did well. 
And then Tom and Amira had a field day, didn't they? They did. Now, it must be said, you, you've brought it up before, Hawthorne dominated the clearances 49-27 to 27 by the final siren. In particular, that dynamic duo of Mitchell and Omira just ran riot. I mean, is this the best we've ever seen them? Because they finished with 9 and 10 clearances, respectively. Disposal efficiency also ensured they were pretty damaging. Mitchell had 40 touches at 80%. 16 of those were contested. Omira had 30 at 76.7%. 13 of those were contested. I mean, that's just a, a super combo effort, really, to, to put the sword to Adelaide. It was a good, solid effort. I even thought Daniel Howe was great through the midfield. Yeah, he did his job well. 12 of his his 26 touches were contested, which I think is a pretty good effort. Uh, Ryan Burton, uh, I mean, it must be said, little by little, he's sort of edging back towards his best form, and it's beautiful to watch. It hasn't been overnight. It's just been a steady, gradual return to his best, and I think we're starting to see him in his prime now. Yeah, but you can't take anything away from James Sisley, who stood up exactly when we needed it, and that goal with the handball from Smith back to him, beautifully disguised handball, and then Smithy just set sail that's uh that's a ridiculous level of skill that that handball is one on the replay that i had to rewind about three times it's like lightning yeah it, it was so well disguised it was such perfect skill to dish it off in in that manner i just couldn't believe it so props to smith there but you're right in saying sicily was absolutely instrumental in this win our leading goal kicker the leading goal kicker on the field for both teams he booted three in pretty spectacular fashion each time it's become a hallmark of sicily's game as we know and we love it the long bomb from outside 50 i mean you'd back him in every every time at this point wouldn't you uh you would and the other bloke i'd back in pretty much um, was uh, Liam Shields, who stood up to kick our first goal when we looked like we'd never kick one. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, the unlikely saviour when we needed him to stand up. Uh, just leadership there. I thought it was good. Now, I want to get to some unsung heroes. I thought uh, McAvoy played a better game overall than this bloke, but I was very impressed by John Segler, the best he's looked since making his return. Would you agree with that? Yeah, he looked almost quick didn't he? He did. There was one moment in the first quarter where he, uh, I think it was the first quarter, he went for a spoil uh, in, in the back half, and then, like a jet, he, he sprinted to Ford 50. I was like, bloody hell, this guy can move all of a sudden. I didn't, I didn't realise he had that as part of his game, but there he was, and it was very impressive. He didn't end up with it, which is unfortunate, but uh, no, I thought his work rate was superb. Now, another unsung hero, I want to point out Ben Stratton, who I think almost week to week now doesn't really get his due, for, but, but let's look at this game. For the modest impact he had, he played basically a perfect game as far as stats are concerned, right? He had 10 touches. What percentage efficiency do you reckon it is? 85. 100%. Oh, good. I didn't think I'd get that right. <laughs> 10 touches at 100% efficiency. Helped himself to six marks, four rebound 50s, one inside 50. He earned a free and didn't give away a single one. Ben Stratton, hats off. Because like I said, that's a very modest impact, but... He went to Eddie after his first goal, didn't he? He just He's our blanket man. This is something that uh, the aforementioned listener Peter pointed out to us as well, that Eddie Betts just has a shocker every time against Hawthorne. He turns in an absolute putrid game and he plays against us. Stratton's haunted him before, so I'm not sure if Stratton went to him, went to him this time, but it would not shock me because uh, Eddie Betts was a shadow of himself yet again. And did a hammy in the last seconds. Yeah, they, they just cannot take a trick. There's something about... Something about their preseason. There's so many questions you want to ask about Adelaide, but I, I, I don't think we're ever going to find out. You remember how? Um, you remember how we uh, we were talking about what the margin would be last week? Yes. And we ended up 
and we ended up going, oh, well, we'll just say 28 points. Yeah. Well, instead, we should have just added our margins together and <laughs> we would have got the 56. <laughs> That's true. Very good. Very good. We heard from uh, Jack on Twitter, at Pod. He said, felt like Hardwick, Howe, and Burton were fantastic. Sicily was stellar. That's our future right there, and the future looks bright. And Morrison, what a composed, classy player he is already. Imagine how great he'll be in a year or two. Chock full of positivity there is Jack, and uh, I can buy into that. I have I happen to be on the same page as Jack. I do love Morrison. He was uh, off the charts, and uh, he didn't look too good against Port Adelaide, but uh, the break has done him a world of good. It has. Now uh, we'll get stuck into the preview of Hawthorne against Gold Coast Saturday, one forty-five p.m. At UTAS, uh, now tears. it must be said, you have a virus, we won't keep you too long. I know you've been, I imagine you've been bedridden, you've been very unwell. Oh, no, it's all right, we'll just have, uh, we'll just have pit stops, that's fine. <laughs> no, no, don't put that image in people's minds, there's no need to do that. We're, we're just going to blitz through this, and we're going to put the pot out, and we'll be back to our best next week. To kick off this preview, we had a, we had a, some input from one of our listeners, Al, a regular listener, he asks, how can we not be nervous about this game? This is a team that beat us by 86 points approximately a year ago. I know a lot has happened in that time, but for the most part, the lists aren't too much different. I expect to win well, but then again, I did last year too. And I think that sums up my thoughts as well, Tiz, that uh, I'm confident, but also eh, I could go either way. Oh, we've got a good record down in Tassie. Very good record. We haven't lost to them there, as a matter of fact. It's just we don't want to play them at Metricon or the MCG, so we've done well. <laughs> it's, it's a very favourable fixture in 2018. Yeah, and the final quarters are terrible, but I'd expect some kind of showing from the Suns. It, the difference is uh, they don't have Ablett this time, and both times he was their best against us. So I can't see us losing but um, I do expect them to kick a goal in the last term this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that can be sustained forever. They're going to lift in the last term. If nothing else, they're going to make sure they go out with a bang because they can't keep on doing that. No, that's just rank kind of stuff. You, you can't keep performing like that. And especially when Tom Lynch is looking elsewhere, I think Hawthorne will be putting on the chest of a few of their forwards, sort of telling him what, what life could be like. Um, yeah, it'll be, it won't be a very interesting game, though, I wouldn't have thought. I don't expect a, a spectacular showcase of skills by any measure from either team, really. Do you imagine that Hawthorne will keep doing their play for the second half mantra? Just sort of holding the fort? Yeah, it's interesting, because you ra- you've raised that in previous weeks, and I really have started to buy into that. And I don't know, I really it really depends on what we do at the selection table, I think. Um, I think by the time this goes online we would have already picked our team so these are just you know shots in the dark I reckon James Cousins might get a run uh he might find his way back in the senior side I mean you saw him at Box Hill 37 touches four marks five tackles two goals you'd love to give him another another goal for the back of that he's putting his hand up as an alternative to Langford as a guy who might just be able to slot into the same role or there's Warple I mean Warple is still waiting there as well Warple I don't think he'll get a go but um Ty and Myers look good no, um, Box Hill ran away easily in that game. If you didn't kick a goal, it's a bit of a blight on you, really. I like Jackson Ross, though. He looks good as a young player. Timmy got two, by the way. Oh, yeah. Mitch Lewis, two. Kieran Lovell played a very good game. 
and uh, he kicked a goal. We heard from Wiley as far as selections concerned. He hit up at Hawk Talk Pod. He said, I'd like to see one of the younger players a look at O'Rourke, Lovell, or even Hanrahan. Now, a bit of buzz about Hanrahan. Any chance we're going to see him? Could this be the week? We, we know we love debuting players in Tassie. This thing again. <laughs> Could we debut Connor Nash, please? No, that won't happen. They keep overlooking him. He still seems a bit green, but I love the look of him. He provides presence and skill. No, I think we can look forward to a decent win. It's all about percentage now, to be honest. I mean, we've got a great run home. We just need the percentage to keep keep us in the eight at the end of the day. Yeah, Josh says it's uh, hard not to look at the draw and get, and get excited about a return to the finals. I know I have. Just hope the experience we have around the club doesn't let anyone inside those four walls get ahead of themselves. We've already been beaten convincingly by a side with one win to their name. I mean, when you put it like that, it's a little cause to be nervous. Well, that's why I'm uh, pretty happy about the players at Box Hill trying to get in the lineup because um, it increases the base level that players in in our AFL team have to have to play at. Do you know what I mean? They've got people breathing down their neck, and even if we do get injuries, there's players that deserve to come in rather than just handing kids games. That's right. Uh, we heard from Dan. He asks, do you think O'Rourke is done? I thought when Langers was brought in, that indicated he doesn't have the trust of the coaches. I mean, I, we're still talking about O'Rourke in basically the same way, the same sort of conversation at, what, round 14 now? Is, is that it, Tiz? Is the doors closed on him? He looks pretty defeated, let's be honest. I mean, uh, not really cutting him up at VFL... I mean, he had his run and he didn't get a look in the seniors, so he'd be looking at the at the exit door at the end of the year, I would have thought. That's exactly what I feared would happen. It's it's why he needs to reward, it, reward him with a go, because I thought he would become disillusioned. And he, he had such a good run of games at the start of the year, and it seems to have dried up. And if he's looking a bit disinterested, then, I mean, can you hardly blame him? I mean... <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, that's right. But that's how that's how most careers go in the end, don't they? I guess so, yeah. If you're not good enough to push someone out, then that's it. Yeah, and for him it's been a cruel story with just his AFL career has been just ravaged with injuries and every time he's looked likely, it's he's just had setback after setback. So it's unfortunate, but yeah, I think, uh, I think his time might be up and it might be a him. I don't see him getting into the senior team. If it, if it was going to be the case, it would have happened weeks ago. I think it's just too late now. So what are you thinking about uh, us returning to the to the old setup of last year with uh, Langers and Duray in the forward line, Nick? You enjoying that? I feel a bit duped. Um, I, it's a bit of a rope-a-dope. I, I bought into the... The talk of uh, you know Clarkson coming out and saying that he's got a he's got a new idea for the forward line and he's tinkering with some things. He just went back to the same old well, um, which you know he knew that it worked. You, well, it's hit and miss. I I think I think you get mixed results from this setup. I understand the theory behind it, putting Langford and Jeray and you, you you put them with Popolo as well, and uh, you have them all work as pressure forwards. It works sometimes, and not so well other times. There was no cohesion. No, I mean, they were, in terms of impact upon the game, they were right down the bottom for us, um, their, their output. So, I don't know, but th- that said, I'm not willing to abandon it just yet. I'm just, I, I look at it and... That I, can only improve. Yeah, well, I look at it, I'm just wary. I'm like, okay, well, we're doing this again, but I'm not yet convinced. I think it's been patchy so far. Um, and I don't know if, if that's, if we want to try that, then fair enough. Uh, it is, I kind of reminds me of like, um, the, the pairing of uh, big boy and Segler. If we're going to do that, I'm going to give it time and going to, going to see how it plays. 
before I give my verdict on it. For now, I'm just wary of it, that's all. Anyway, after the festivities of Saturday, your weekend was only beginning. That was great. Oh, it couldn't have played out any more perfectly. I mean, you had the three results, obviously, with all our teams winning. Um, and just everything I went to was a lot of fun. I reckon the only blight on the weekend was that first half. It was just very tedious to watch. But I mean, that was, you know, that's nothing. That's in the rearview mirror now. I'll never remember that. Um, what I will remember is, uh, first of all, Friday night at the Jam Factory, um, which was just a really well-run event. I, I really had a lot of fun with that. And, and I think... It's always nice when people come up and introduce themselves and say they're a listener of the podcast, and that was really cool. And then from the bar, we were sort of, you know, shuffled into the cinema. And, and as I was heading through, there was, a, there was like a Hawthorne volunteer with uh, my name on an A4 sheet of paper. And I looked at that, and I was like, what's going on here? So I approached her, and I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's that's my name on that piece of paper you're holding there. She goes, oh, great, Nick. Okay, come over here. Have your photo taken with the cup. And it wasn't in my plans. I knew people were getting photos taken, but I was there by myself. And I thought, oh, it just looks a bit dorky. And I don't know, I'm not really into it. How did you get VIP listed? I didn't get, no, I didn't get VIP listed. That's the thing. They were sort of rounding up people that hadn't yet had their photo taken. Oh, wow. They were crossing people off the uh, off the guest list. So basically everyone that attended got that opportunity. And um, that that's something I only found out later. I pieced it together. But at that time, I was sort of just quickly rushed in front of this, in front of this, you know, all of a sudden I was given the Premiership Cup to hold and then, you know, someone goes, G'day, mate, how's it going? It's Campbell Brown next to me. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Hey, hey, mate. And, <laughs> you know, put, put your smile on, you know, best night of your life. And then, you know, camera goes off and then I'm sort of left there holding the cup and I'm like... Someone take this from me, please. I'm too <laughs> too nervous to be holding this. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to drop it. Anyone want this? And and I think Brown was like, nah, mate, you you hold on to it. It's all right. Just a bit of a jokey, fun time with the lads. And it all happened so quickly. I had to turn around and figure out who I was having my photo taken with. So it was Campbell Brown, Xavier Ellis, um, Gillum, and uh, Clinton Young. Did you recognize them all? I got to admit, Gillum really threw me. I saw him walk around the chair. I was like, who's that? And uh, then I worked it out, but he's taken his hair off, so he made the degree of difficulty that much harder. Yeah, exactly. I did not did not clock him first time I saw him. Um, Xavier Ellis, yeah. Uh, Young was a bit more difficult. Obviously, Brownie's Brownie. Like, you recognise him anywhere. He's all over TV, so it's you know what he looks like. But um, went into the cinema. There's free popcorn, free Coke. We had Choc Tops at halftime. Beats oranges at halftime. Bloody hell, it's a bloody smorgasbord yeah and they had uh well the bar was open as well how did they make any money apparently uh all the um the funds the uh contribution from the ticket sales went directly towards the uh is it the past players association or something like that oh yes um, yeah. but yeah went straight back into the hawthorne family apparently uh five grand went straight back in so they did make money it's a good effort because it was such a fun night for you you really enjoyed uh booing was it Ablett or <laughs> no well the crowd got involved the thing that the thing that made it fun as well was the fact that they put flags at every seat. So you at least got that as a souvenir. Like if nothing else, you know, you watch a great game, you know, a great memory of, of that flag win, but then you get to take home your own souvenir flag. That was a pretty pretty nice touch, I thought. Campbell Brown was the, the MC and also got up at halftime and, you know, had a chat to the other players. He gave their insights about the day. And I tell you what, Xavier Ellis was probably MVP of the evening. He was loose. Oh, really? Well, he had about his best game that day, didn't he? He did, yeah. It's the best game of his career. Now, um, he actually holds a uh, an AFL record. Were you aware of this? Is it 
most possessions without getting a norm. <laughs> it's uh, apparently most marks in a grand final. Oh, really? That's amazing. Yeah, he has 14 in that game. How unbelievable. Yeah, you would not pick that. I mean, Xavier Ellis for for his... Uh, for his position, for his stature, for on a number of levels. You, you, I mean, the other personnel out there on the day, you would not pick that he'd be the one to, to have 14 marks. But there you go. That's his record. That's his claim to fame. What was also really nice was when the game was on and they're screening it, um, you know, every time, say, Brown or Ellis or Young or Gillum, every time they would feature in some capacity, the whole cinema would go up and really show their appreciation for the lads and, um, especially, you know, where Brown dobs that goal from about the 50-metre line yeah. at the punt road end. Uh, that he, he got up and, you know, did a big fist pump and sculled his beer and it's just... <laughs> it was very good. They The lads enjoyed it as much as everyone in the cinema and um, that, as it turns out, that's just the start of the weekend, Tears. It was very good. Sunday was the, uh, the old premiership reunion, the Mighty Fighting Hawks. Our premiership reunion got suited up for that and um, had the 78, 88 and 2008 teams with most people in attendance, most players in attendance. It was, it was, I mean, it was spectacular. It was a great afternoon. Was Buddy there? He was there. Yep. He's, uh, he's a glorious looking man. He's a, he's a specimen. But, uh, <laughs> and I ran into a few more listeners who approached our table as well. So um, I've got to say, it's, it's great meeting people. It's It's been so uh, gratifying meeting some of our listeners who are just really... This is what we wanted, the community element, the uh, the being part of the club without being part of the club. Exactly right. And they're all such nice people as well, the way they go about it as well. It's it's a joy to speak to them. And uh, it was all across the weekend, Tiz. It was at the cinema, at the game I met people as well, or in M10, and, um, you know, had other seats in the grounds. And they stopped by M10 purposefully to, to see if I was there. They asked after me. It was, it was a bit, bit like being, being a bit of a celebrity being on this Hawk Talk podcast, mate. But um, And then, of course, at, at the uh, the luncheon. So, I mean, it, it just means the world to us. I need listeners to know that. If, if you've introduced yourself, because there's been a fair few of you now. I, I won't go through everyone by name. But there's been a fair few of you that have taken the time out, and it's enormously gratifying, and we definitely appreciate it. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's that kind of thing that makes... Uh, a sick man temporarily feel a little bit better enough to do the podcast. Uh, Tiz, you are still under the weather. I've not forgotten. We will be wrapping up soon. I'm not surprised uh, some of our listeners came up to you that night because uh, the hardliners were the only ones that turned up to the 26,000 attended game. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty poorly attended and Jeff wasn't happy either. I don't know Jeez, if you read Jeff, his letter. Jeff sent a note and then uh, Juddy, he disingenuously said we, we only got 12,000 to our last home game but that was in tassie so it's <laughs> like well well done there juddy thanks for that <laughs> hey why don't we keep the focus on tassie and uh, i deliver my rant how about that this will be good because uh taking gold coast down to tassie i mean it's emblematic of the future isn't it <laughs> <laughs> well i think you've picked an angle that i didn't pick on uh pick up on in my rant so well done <laughs> But I did have a go at them, and it goes a little something like this. Now, Gold Coast, you might have won both your games against Hawthorne in 2017, but the fact you still lost your coach by the end of the year spells F-L-U-K-E in bold capitals. Now, of course, that's about as deep as I'll be diving into your club's history, because amusingly, after all these years, you ain't got none. Now, I 
mean, get a load of the Gold Coast Suns Wikipedia page, documenting no further than 2014. I mean, really, it's Wikipedia. You'd think somebody would at least bother to make some stuff up, but I guess that's just how much of a non-factor you are, Gold Coast. In fact, at this point, your only purpose is to prop up other clubs in the comp. It's the one thing you still do well, and this week, it's time to help Hawthorne pile on the percentage. Oh, and before I forget, be sure to bring Tom Lynch along, will you? And we'll have a tailor on hand to take some measurements. It's good to get a head start on these things, isn't it? And this Saturday, Gold Coast, it's the beginning of the end for your club. The first bounce is at the early hour of 1.45, but mark my words, when the final siren sounds, we'll see the suns go down. Nicely done. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty much stuffed, aren't they? Oh, they're screwed. Yeah, there's no way back for them from here. They're, they're... they're just such a shocking club. They should drop them from the AFL. They're like the worst. Oh, wait, they're not the worst. <laughs> St Kilda, Brisbane and Carlton below them on the ladder. I know, I know. Can you even believe that? <laughs> Jeez. Now, after that, on the uh, on the Sunday, we're playing uh, Essendon at 11.45 in the VFL at Box Hill. It is on telly. Oh, okay, great. Anyway... I'll let you slide back into bed. Get some rest, Tiz. Before we wrap things up, obviously, I should say, um, you know, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, jump on Twitter, at HawkTalkPod. Find us on Facebook as well. You can like us there, facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod. A reminder as well, uh, we'll be live tweeting the game on Saturday uh, from 1.45pm. Hawthorne taking on Gold Coast in Tassie at our Tassie Fortress. But before we do wrap this thing up, uh, I want to say we've been on a bit of a vinyl kick lately with the recording of the 1957 final. But I want to ask you, are you familiar with the 1981 compilation, Footy Favourites? No, I'm not. It's a 1981 compilation album of Footy Favourites in which some of football's biggest stars back in the day sing the hits. Now we've got Trevor Barker, who tackles I Can See Clearly Now. Um, Mark McClure has a go at Imagine by John Lennon. Robert Flower lends his voice to Macho Man, which is pretty spectacular. <laughs> now, to take us out, I think this would be a fitting tribute to you, Tiz, my contagious co-host. Here's 1978 Hawthorne Premiership hero Michael Moncrief with his cover of the police single, Don't Stand So Close to Me. <laughs> Wise words if you spot Tiz. Don't stand so close. Now, get well soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but all, in all seriousness, mate, I think listeners need to know you put in a hell of an effort today. With don't oversell it. It's not like Langford spewing up during the VFL game and then making. Oh, it when the- will you stop banging on about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to be it for this week. And as promised, to take us out, Michael Moncrief, don't stand so close to me. We are a happy team at Hawthorne. Young teacher, the subject. Of schoolgirl fantasy She wants him so badly Knows what she wants to be Inside her 